You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are on week two of Make Room. Make Room is not the store where you buy furniture or whatever, but Make Room is actually a series about the Holy Spirit. You know, it is not an attitude of trying to accommodate Him because, you know, we want to reserve a room in our hearts or in our life for Him because He basically owns us. Make Room really talks about our posture of yielding, our posture of submitting, our posture of honoring the Holy Spirit in our lives. Today, we're focusing on the book of Acts, particularly on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you learned something uh, last week about the Holy Spirit? You know, when you talk about the Trinity, we're so familiar uh, with the Father, uh, with the work of Christ on the cross, His work of redemption, His atonement. But many believers are quite clueless to who the Holy Spirit is. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a who, not an it. Uh, many times we consider the Holy Spirit as a power or a force. May the force be with you. Or, you know, a uh, something, you know, a wind. Of course, the, he, the, these are some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. The wind, the dove, the fire. But He is not an inanimate object. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is God Himself. Amen. In fact, He is so instrumental in planting the early church back in the first century when He poured out, you know, when Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit upon uh, the early uh, disciples, 120 total in that upper room. And so uh, the writer of this uh, book of Acts is named Dr. Luke. Uh, Luke happens to be a uh, significant uh, mission partner of the Apostle Paul. He's not one of those who had a direct contact with uh, the Lord, but he, on you know, some accounts that was taken from the other Gospels, he was able to write a very significant amount of volume of writing in the New Testament. In fact, he was the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke, of course, it's named after himself, and he also wrote the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is known to be the Acts of the Apostles, but other theologians are referred to the Book of Acts as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is where we see you know, the Holy Spirit moving in our church. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is not just moving in the first century, but even in our own century here right now? Amen. And, you know, you might have a sensing of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Uh, he's definitely one who is busy, not just doing in the background, but even in the foreground. We see His power. We see His might. And so Luke was very detailed in writing these two accounts. They said that about 25% of the New Testament is actually Luke's writing. And that's how significant this uh, author is. Luke was uh, focused on the testimony of Jesus in the gospel, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection, even his eventual ascension to heaven. And the book of Acts starts off with the resurrected Christ. He was meeting the 120 people in the upper room. And what he was saying is, I want you to wait and don't go yet. At this time, the 120 people, 120 disciples were already saved. They were born again. Jesus died. He was resurrected. You know, he breathed the breath of life upon the disciples. And how many of you know that the Spirit of God is already in them? But yet, though they already are indwelled, or you know, the, the Holy Spirit is indwelling in them, Jesus 
still said to them in Luke and in Acts to wait. Everybody say wait. Don't go yet. Wait for the gift of my Father. Stay here and wait for the outpouring of the Spirit. If they already have the Spirit of God, then why is Jesus telling them to wait? Why is He saying, you know, you need something more to equip you and to give you the power in order for you to fulfill the mission of God for the church? And so that is what we're looking at. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, He said this, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. And he said, but stay. Everybody say, stay. Stay in the city until you are clothed with what? With power from on high. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the resurrected power that he experienced. The same power that is actually uh, was able to raise Jesus from the dead is about to be poured out upon the disciples. And so he's saying, wait, Luke knew the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. He focused so much on the partnership of the Holy Spirit with, with Jesus, even early on in the, in the beginning part of Jesus' ministry. How many of you know that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Trinity was there? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when he got out from the water after baptism, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove uh, descended upon him and the Father said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So from the beginning point of the ministry of Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit is, is moving already. And then Luke was very careful to include words like, He was filled with the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. The next chapter, we will see that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness Luke chapter 4, to be tempted by the enemy. Why will the Holy Spirit lead him to temptation or to, to be tested in order for him to start the work of the ministry? He came here to destroy the power of darkness. And so he was led by the Spirit. He was enabled by the Spirit. Uh, in another account, he was anointed by the Spirit. And so we see here that the Holy Spirit was actually the one that helped enable Jesus to fulfill His works here on earth. We know that Jesus is the Son of God, but Jesus also walked as a human being. As that human being part, the Holy Spirit was the one who empowered Him and who enabled Him to do the works that He needed to minister to the world. Amen. All of us are human beings, right? And how many of you would acknowledge that you need the Holy Spirit to fulfill the work that God has called us to do. Amen. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, all the more we need the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And so that is what Luke was actually detailing from the book of Luke until the book of Acts. He was just laying down the ministry of the Holy Spirit connected with the early church. Jesus himself reminded them, and we're going to take this scripture once again in the last installment, the last sermon. He said, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Many people are so concerned about the second coming or when, when Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is saying, You know, that's not your business, okay? Only the Father knows about that time that he will come. Okay, people have predicted that and they actually missed out the time. But what he's saying is, in verse 8, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is saying is, your assignment, if you are to accept it, para mission impossible, okay, is to go into all the world and in five seconds, this will self-destruct. Something like that, okay? And yet, what he's saying is, this is an assignment which is a daunting task. It is virtually impossible for the apostles or for the disciples to do that during that time. There's no opportunity for them to fly. It was all like Donkey Express or ride, uh, you know, whatever. They don't have buses. They don't have cars. They have uh, boats. But it takes a long time for you to be able to reach the ends of the earth. That's why they needed the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's all open our Bibles this afternoon to the book of Acts, and we will be looking at our text. Book of Acts, chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 1 until verse 17. All right, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 17. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Everybody say the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, or 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall what? See visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time as we study your word. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as our teacher, as the one who illuminates this word. We ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom, and revelation and understanding on how to apply this word in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit of encouragement uh, would be upon your people today. We thank you, Lord God, that you will bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we see that in the account, you know, the, the first account was 120 disciples in the upper room. 
waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. It was the feast of the Pentecost, and they were waiting for that. Pentecost means 50th. The 50th day after the resurrection of Christ was the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Jesus appeared to all the disciples after he resurrected, and that was like the 40th day from the time that uh, he, he was raised. He appeared before them, and he gave them the instruction to wait. And about 10 days, the promised Holy Spirit was then poured out to all of them. In fact, it was John the Baptist who declared in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit and fire. To baptize means to immerse. And when you talk about baptism, water baptism that we practice here in our church is immersion. It's not sprinkle, right? Baptize is coming from the Latin word baptizo, meaning to, to take into like full character. They use the same term in, in actual plays or in acting, that when you are portraying a certain role, when you say you're baptized into that role, you take in the character of that person that you're portraying as an actor. And that is another application of baptism. Now, we know that when you talk about water baptism, it is immersing that person under the water. And it is interesting also that John the Baptist okay, was talking about the Holy Spirit and the term used was he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. As I said earlier, these 120 people were already indwelt with the Holy Spirit. They have the Spirit of God in them. And they are, you know, they're born again. How many of you are born again? You are saved. You, you know that you're going to heaven. Please raise your hand, okay? The Spirit of God is in us already. The Spirit of God is dwelling in us. Amen. How many of you sense the Spirit of God in your life, okay? He's there, okay? He's somewhere there. So we have the Holy Spirit. The moment that you got saved, the moment that you are having a relationship with, with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit with you. But yet he's saying that, there is what you call baptism and what you call an outpouring and what you call that filling up. It's kind of like going to a gas station. If your tank is about to be empty, you go to the gas station and what do you do? You get a refill of gas. So you, you, you fill up the tank, so to speak. And so Jesus wants his church to always be in that capacity of fullness when you talk about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26, he said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so he is the one that was promised by Jesus. Jesus is the one who will baptize us. It is not your pastor. It is not the people who's laying hands on, on, on us. You know, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I attended uh, Catholics, actually, I, I went to Manresa School, okay, uh, in BF. And uh, it is a school run by nuns, okay? So, palaki ako ng madre, kaya mabait ako, okay? So, anyway. Uh, so, I remember in high school, there was like an interest for us to have an encounter, 
you know, uh, back in the day, I think uh, what was in then uh, practice was LSS or Life in the Spirit Seminar or something like that. So they kind of brought that charismatic thing into our campus. And, you know, it's a surprise that the nuns will actually allow such thing to be practiced in the campus. And so uh, they called some of those who are interested to have an encounter with the Lord. And guess what? I was one of those who volunteered. And so uh, I don't know how many classmates were there who volunteered in that meeting, but I remember that we were put in a room and we were asked to sit down. We were asked to close our eyes. We were asked to quiet our spirit. We're singing songs. And then later on, I just heard that people are already laying hands on us and speaking in tongues. And so um, for me, who is not yet saved or born again, it was kind of new. More, it's more like weird, okay? And so I was, I was really curious what's happening here because I, I sense and I, I hear different voices, but yet nothing is happening. I just wanted, Lord, and I was crying, Lord, if that's you, come. Something like that, okay? So it was, it was new to me, and nothing happened to me at that time, okay? But yet that was my first encounter with this. Okay, what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then I remember when I was already in college, finally I got saved. Pastor Steve was the one who was preaching in one of the meetings, and I actually went down there for an altar call, surrendered my life to the Lord, and then attended my first Sunday service uh, a few days after that particular encounter. It was, uh, it was a school day when he was ministering uh, across our campus. And I remember there were like three people who went up uh, in front uh, to receive the Lord. But I don't know what happened to the two. Okay? But I, I knew for a fact that I went to church that Sunday. And at that Sunday, there was an invitation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And guess who volunteered again? Okay? I was there in front again. And so, but this time, I received it. This time, I finally was able to have a sense of the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life and in my heart. So I started speaking in a different language. Okay? I'm still talking Tagalog in English, by the way. But I have a, another language, and I'm going to explain that uh, later on. Okay? And so... This particular time in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we read it. When the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house when they were set, where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So two symbols or two things or two elements came upon the disciples during this time. What is the first element? Like mighty rushing wind. So there was like wind that came in and blew uh, in that particular room. We don't know if the doors were open or if the windows were open. But how many of you know that if the windows are closed and if the doors are closed and if there's a wind, that must be God, okay? And so there's no source, but he, just, he can just come. And another picture that we see here is tongues of fire. Wind is referred to as you know, in uh, in Hebrew, it is uh, a symbol of life, okay. Uh, and fire is a symbol of the presence of God. And we see here that in the even during the time of Ezekiel, if you're familiar with the story of Ezekiel, God showed him uh, a field where there are so many dry bones, 
and God spoke to him and he said to prophesy upon the dry bones. And when he prophesied upon the dry bones, there was wind coming in four different directions. And when the wind of God came, these dry bones connected to one another and there was a big rattling sound. Just read the, uh, the book of Ezekiel. The big rattling sound and the bones, you know, uh, connected to one another and then there became there was attached to tendons they were attached to ligaments skin flesh and eventually it became alive and how many of you know every time the holy spirit comes you can't help but have life in you there amen because we used to be dead when we were all in sin you and i were all dead in our transgressions the bible says that was who we are but yet, when we had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but not have life. You ought to be alive if the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Amen. And I believe that that is one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst. There's so much life and there's so much activity. You know, you used to be dead. You used to be an addict for certain substance. But now you are so much alive because the Holy Spirit was the one who cleansed you from that substance. He's the one who brought you into a new place, a new habit, a new life. Now He's given you a new way of living, a new lifestyle, signs of life. And this is, of course, this is just an artist's rendition of that, okay? About, you know, what it means for, for them to have tongues of fire. My question is this for us today. Is it possible for the Holy Spirit to still come in this form and if you are asking for baptism of the Holy Spirit, that He can actually appear with tongues of fire. Possible. Yes, it is. It is His prerogative as well. If He wants to do that, He can come and do it. If He wants to come in another way, He can come and do it in another way. But what we're saying is we want to make room for the Spirit of God. And not put him in a box and say, Lord, you did it here in the past like this. Do it again this way. How many of you know that you cannot tell God what to do? But he will do it in accordance to his agenda. He will do it in accordance to his will. He will do it in accordance to his purpose. And I believe that God has a purpose for this church. God has a purpose for your life. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, if we will yield to him, he will be the one to open doors for us. He will be the one to baptize us. He will be the one to fill us. He will be the one to pour out and overflow in us and enable us to walk in the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. So these are the three results very quickly. And then later on, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us. The results of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. First is the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say infilling power. Okay, there's an infilling there's a, you know, some, you know so, something that is being filled up inside of us. And, and we see that, you know, when the Holy Spirit came in verse 4, they, will, they were all filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. One of the signs of the Holy Spirit, not the only sign, by the way, one of the major signs in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit would come upon the church, new believers, whether it's Jews or Gentiles, is the speaking in tongues. But this particular speaking in tongues in the time of Pentecost was a, an amazing speaking in tongues. 
They were speaking in intelligible language. They were speaking in language of men. They were not just talking about language of angels or heavenly language. They were speaking in known language to men. This morning, we introduced Pastor Mel and Tanya Kalingo. They used to be part of uh, this church. Uh, then they are now missionaries uh, in Madrid, Spain. They have been sent out uh, 10 years ago, and they planted a church about six years. First four years of their ministry there, they were just studying language. They were, you know, they were just uh, studying the culture, and they had to refresh, particularly Mel, Pastor Bong, okay? He had to refresh on his Spanish. How I many of you still remember your Spanish subject uh, in high school, okay, or in college, okay? Te hablo español, okay? Okay. Uh, yo soy guapo. Something like that, okay? Well, anyway, so something amazing about, of course, Pastor Mel studied it for the first four years until he was able to get it. And now what he's doing is he's preaching in the Spanish language and not even talking in English. He's in Madrid, Spain. He's got international an international church, mainly locals. His staff's local. He's got disciples that are Spanish. The name of his young leader's name is Pedro, and the other name is the other guy's name is Ariel. Okay, and so, but they're you know, and yeah, anyway, it's not a Spanish name, by the way. So, they, they you know, they're all speaking in Spanish. But what Tanya said is, Mel did it the hard way. He had to study Spanish in order to speak Spanish. In this particular account, it was different. When the Holy Spirit poured out in this account in the book of Acts, those who were there spoke in other language. Though they were speaking Hebrew, suddenly some of them were speaking Greek, some of them were speaking Spanish, some of them were speaking Arabian, some of them were speaking Medes, some of them were speaking African, some of them, I don't know if there's Tagalog during that time. But, you know, but during that time, about 1.5 million people, according to the historian Josephus, was there in Jerusalem for the feast. And the meeting was so loud that they were starting to talk about the glory of God and the mighty works of God in the different languages. And the people are hearing it from the language that they are so familiar with. And how many of you know that that is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Okay? And so this is what you call dialectos. Dialectos is actually local dialect. They're talking about and they're speaking languages known to men and not just languages that is known to the angels. So both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, of course, we've read uh, the many other nationalities that were there. They said this, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Amazing. I believe that that was the birth of missions during that time. Many different nationalities came in one point in Jerusalem, the central point of Christianity, and for the first time, they were hearing the mighty works of God in their own native language. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just meant for you to speak in a new language. Speaking in a new tongue or a new language definitely has a purpose. Amen. It is not just so that you and I will feel weirdness or feel special or whatever, okay? Or feel strengthened. There is an enabling power of the Holy Spirit 
There is an edification part when the Holy Spirit comes, but I believe that another purpose is so that we can tell the mighty works of God. Far Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, I don't know where that is, Pontus, uh, Asia, Phrygia. So these are the old names of the cities where they were talking at that particular point. Speaking in tongues uh, is known as glossalilia in Greek, and you have two types of tongues. You have tongues of men and tongues of angel. The Apostle Paul referred to this particular, uh, not phenomena, but this gift of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that there is such a thing as tongues of men, which is what you and I are using on a daily basis, communicating with other men, and tongues of angels that no other men can decipher nor understand, but it is your heavenly language. Okay? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's not about just speaking in tongues. The motivation of tongues is really love for God and love for God's people. Ultimately, it's for God's service. Amen. And God wants to refresh. God wants to bless. God wants to edify. And if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, use it. For those of you who have not yet experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are not lesser of a Christian if you don't have it. I just want to say that. But I believe that if you desire it, God will give it to you. Amen. And so one of our pastors, when he was like a young believer, he was asking because there was like a, a prayer for baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he did not get it during that one encounter. So what he did was in his own room, in his own bedroom, he was crying out, Lord, baptize me, baptize me, baptize me. And just like that, during that night, he met the Lord and he was starting to speak in different tongues. We don't even know if that is tongues of men or tongues of angels, okay? But maybe when we go out to another country, we will find out if we're talking about, if we're talking uh, an intelligible tongue, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 to 4, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. And this is now Paul referring to the tongues of the heavenly language. Okay? For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, and the one who prophesies builds up the church. Because prophecy is understandable in a church setting, whereas speaking in tongues, you are the one who is praying it on your own. So I, I kind of do that, okay? When I'm driving, especially, you know, during times of traffic or sometimes when I'm, you know, just uh, on my own in the room, I, I pray in the Spirit and I edify myself. So it's, it's, it's not a weird thing. It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's the Spirit of God that gives us the utterance. Do I feel possessed? I'm not possessed. I just have it. I just use it. It's just a daily thing. It's kind of like a language that I'm using. But I know that every time I speak in this language, I am speaking to God. And it's almost like, you know, if you watch the movie Batman, it's kind of like that red phone of, the, of uh, Commissioner Gordon. with ba It's like a direct line to heaven. And, you know, when you, when you use that heavenly language, you get edified. And the Apostle Paul even said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any one of you. The Apostle Paul uses that heavily in his ministry. Then Peter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about infilling. 
Okay? We're talking about when the outpouring of the Spirit comes that you will be filled with the Spirit of God. And one of the manifestations is speaking in tongues. Okay? But yet, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, they prayed for that person and he got healed. By what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. Okay? And uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, uh, when they were praying and fasting, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we see that there are different accounts. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's either they speak in tongues or something happens to that place. How many of you know that we've already experienced a lot of earthquakes, okay? And uh, maybe that's the Holy Spirit that came. Okay? It depends on the Richter scale, okay? You know, one particular event that happened in our century is the Azusa Street Revival. You've probably heard of this story. What they're saying is, it seemed to be a long pause for the Holy Spirit when He poured out upon the early church back in the book of Acts. And we don't have any other account okay, in the Middle Ages, in the Age of Enlightenment, when the you know, church missions were happening in England and in the U.S. But yet now, we see that in 1906, once again, the Spirit of God was poured out in our modern century, right at the turn of the century, 1906, okay? And this... Uh, pastor or evangelist Charles Parham was an American preacher and evangelist together with uh, William Seymour. Uh, both of them were central figures in the development and introduction of the Pentecostal movement, not only in the U.S., but even in the world that we live in right now. And so the Azusa Street Revival was a historic revival meeting that happened in L.A., Los Angeles, California. And the central figure there was actually this colored uh, gentleman, okay, African-American uh, gentleman named uh, William Seymour. Okay, he was a preacher as well, and he was crying out for the Holy Spirit to come, and the revival indeed came in 1906. The revival was characterized by spiritual experiences uh, accompanied by testimonies of healing, speaking in tongues, you know, breakout in worship, and so on and so forth. So this particular building, okay, uh, the Apostolic Faith Gospel Mission, was the venue for such an activity, okay, or such activity of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at the online archive of the Los Angeles Times in uh, April 18, 1906, you know, this is the headline during that day. Weird babble of tongues, okay? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this particular venue. It didn't just last one day. It didn't just last a week. It didn't last a month. It lasted several years. 1906 to 1909, and how many of you would like to have a revival meeting like that? Okay, walana uwian, something like that. Okay, what happened was William Seymour was describing his experience, and he said, "My arms began to tremble, and soon I began to stutter, and then came out a distinct language which I could hardly restrain." Up until this point, he was not even baptized in the Holy Spirit, and yet he was asking the Lord, "Lord, come, and we want to meet you." And indeed. He came. That was like the sign of the times. And according to some news report, 
fire trucks were going into this particular building because the people were seeing fire coming out from the building. There's an actual account, okay? They were seeing actual fire, but it didn't consume the building because it's not real fire. It is the fire of the Holy Spirit. And fire trucks were surrounding that particular place, and they were watching it. It's not burning down because how many of you know it's the Holy Spirit moving during that time? Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for that? That happened in 1906. Will it happen again today? Possibly. It can. If God wants to show up just like that, He can do that. Amen. But I believe that He is moving in different ways. During that time, the worship was too dry. The church was too dry. It was a time of missions for the church, 1906. This particular phenomenon happened in that place that it attracted different churches and nationalities from all across the globe to go to Azusa Street and have a foretaste of the Holy Spirit. And when they went to that place, they went back to wherever they came from, whatever country, and they sparked off some sort of revival. There is always a purpose why the Holy Spirit pours out upon His church. Amen? It's always missional. Amen? It's not just so that we can be you know, special or not just so that we can perform a lot of miracles. It is ultimately for the glory of God and for the spreading of His good news. Amen? That is the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it didn't just end there. That was the first wave. The second wave happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the 1960s where the Protestant or Pentecostal revival uh, happened, okay? Uh, experience once again, supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This uh, is now known as the charismatic movement. It happened in 1960s until the 1980s. Uh, another third wave happened uh, from 80s onwards, and this uh, is known as the neo-charismatic movement, which came out as the Toronto Blessing, okay? So you probably heard of the Toronto-Brownsville revival, so that's also... Uh, that okay, but of course, from the 1980s to the year 2000 and onwards, we have not seen such move. But what is seen is a mainstream acceptance of the church and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I believe that there is no amount of revival that can compare to what we're experiencing right now compared to the previous generations. Amazingly, God is doing something in this church nowadays. Back in the day, the main players of missions was called the Global North. Those were the rich nations sending out uh, missionaries all across the globe. Uh, England, uh, Germany, of course the United States. Those are known as the Global North. Now it has already shifted to the Global South. The Global South are the third world countries that are now you know, experiencing a lot of revivals. Nigeria, for example, uh, is experiencing a lot of revivals. In Asia, it's the Philippines who is experiencing a lot of revivals. American continent, it's the South America uh, nations uh, that are experiencing a lot of revivals, the global South. And I believe that this is still considered to be the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring out His grace, particularly in the nation of the Philippines. Amen. I believe that there is a phenomenon happening here. It's, it may not be like Azusa. It may not be like a pouring out of fire, but it definitely calls forth revival and salvation of souls. Amen. Particularly what happened in our nation. Remember Marawi? You know, when uh, you know, we had a, a civil war type or conflict there? 
you know, our churches around Marawi ministered to the Muslim brothers there. At that particular point, you were able to not just engage, but evangelize. And we've seen about 800 people turn their lives to the Lord, Muslim to Christianity. How many of you know that that is the move of the Holy Spirit? Come on now. You can't do that anytime. You can't do that. It is so virtually impossible to see a Muslim turn from his faith to become a Christian, but we've seen that. We're seeing that happening in our very own country, back in the South, in Mindanao. Amen. The Holy Spirit is filling up His church. is moving mightily here. D.L. Moody, one of the known evangelists back in uh, the 1800s, he was the founder of the Moody Church in Chicago. Very, uh, very powerful preacher. And uh, one particular year, 1871, he had a, just a longing and a hunger for more of God. Uh, it says, according to the story, an intense hunger and thirst for the spiritual power was just aroused in him when he was preaching in one of his services. He saw two intercessors, two, you know, praying, prayer warriors, praying there for him. And so he was noticing that they were just, you know, intensely praying, okay? I don't know if he was distracted, but right after the meeting, he asked them, so what are you praying for? And this lady said, uh, we are praying for you. And D.L. Moody said, why don't you pray for the people? And this is the response of the ladies. Because you need the power of the Spirit, they said. I need the power? Why? Said Moody. In relating to the incident years after, I thought I had power. I had the largest congregations in Chicago. And there were many conversions. I was in a sense satisfied. But right along those two, Godly kept praying for me in their earnest talk about anointing for special service set me to thinking. I asked them to come and talk with me and they poured out their hearts in prayer that I might receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. There came a great hunger into my soul. I did not know what it was. I began to cry out as I never did before. I really felt that I did not want to live if I could not have this power for service. Amen. And sometimes we can be doing things for God, but yet it's parang, konti lang yan. Wait till you experience the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. This is Dale Moody already talking and he said, I can't live if living is without you. I can't live. You know, I can't live without the power of God. You know what he's saying? It's kind of like being filled in water. It's like your glass you know, being filled up with the water coming from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so and the second part is overflowing power to declare the mighty works of God. What is another sign that the Holy Spirit has been poured out to His church? There is an overflowing power. First is the infilling. There's you know sense of, I'm full. Yes, I'm ready to explore. I'm ready to go and give. But this time, it's not just feeling full. It's an overflowing power to speak about the mighty works of God. In John chapter 7, verse 38, whoever believes in me as the, Spirit, uh, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified during the time before his resurrection. But we all know that the Spirit of God has been poured out upon the church already. 
And this is the experience. The sensing is rivers like living water coming out from your very soul. What's the purpose of this power? The purpose of this power is missional, not mystical. It's not about you just speaking in tongues. It's not about you just laying hands on the sick. It's not about you just having a, you know, having a, you know, a nice encounter. It's not about us having like a goosebumps or, you know, or your, the hair at the back of your neck standing every time you sense the Holy Spirit and you say, Ooh, you know, it's not about that. And many times we sense that the Holy Spirit is here because, you know, my hair standing. But it's all about missions. It's all about the church going out. It's all about the people of God declaring the mighty works of God everywhere they go. It's about you being used in your office. It's about you being used in your families. It's about you, students, being used in your campus to declare the glory of God in your classes. It's about you representing Him well. Amen. It's about you also getting good grades so that you can represent God well. Amen. Praise God. For the employees as well, you know, uh, just declaring the mighty works is, of course, opening our mouths, talking about who Jesus is, but at the same time, being the most excellent employee there is in your company. That they declare, okay, this guy is a Christian. Guess what? They know you're a Christian. Show it and live it. So that the mighty works of God can be seen in our life. Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, go home to tell your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has got, had mercy. How many of you had at least something that you have experienced about the goodness of God in your life. That's all of us. We have experienced something good from the Lord. Whether it's a provision, whether it's a restoration of marriage, whether it's a healing of our physical bodies, whether it's an answer to prayer for whatever, a, a promotion, an open door, we have so much to say about the goodness of God in our lives. Let's declare it. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says, all were amazed. And I believe that as you declare... And as you share about the glory of God, all will be amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Nakainim na yung mga yan, nga, sabi nilang ganun. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only third hour of the day. What he's saying is, they are not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. I guess he hasn't visited the Philippines yet, right? <laughs> Sometimes as early as... Anyway, so what he's saying is, these people are not drunk. But they're drunk in the Spirit of God. And he was just declaring what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. The Bible says the Spirit of God will be poured out upon all of us without any exception. God will just, just choose, okay, the person on your right, okay, and they'll skip you. No, upon all flesh. The question is, are we willing to receive the Spirit of God? Are we asking for the Spirit of God? Are we hungry for the Spirit of God? Are we desperate for the Spirit of God? Because many times we can live our lives without the Spirit. How many of you know that? You can actually live your life without the help of the Spirit and you can struggle all your life. Or you can live your life in the middle of the purpose and in the will of God, enabled, empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen. And it'll be easy from there. Come on now. Can we give the Lord a praise for that? He wants to help His church. When the Spirit of God pours upon us, you're not just limited to one kind of tongue 
but in different languages. It's a gift. It is not weird. It doesn't come from the devil. You know, people are saying, that comes from the devil. No, it comes from the Spirit of God. Yes, you may be speaking in a language. That's why it's all by faith. But yet we know that it is God who gives us this gift of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. You may be speaking here with about something and somebody there on the other side say, I understand what he's saying. This is what that means. You will get married next year. Something like that, okay? Yeah, I don't know, okay? You know, he will interpret in accordance with the Spirit of God in us. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. I'd like to end with this quote from Tony Campolo. He said, The Spirit becomes a dynamic presence in the lives of these Christians who know that there is more to being a Christian than just believing the right doctrines and practicing the right rituals. Many times, all we do is follow the Word. That's about it. But he also adds, the Holy Spirit always upsets the status quo. The Spirit disrupts old order of things and ushers in a new openness. The Spirit is the new wineskin in the old wineskins, the new cloth in the old garment. Those who want everything to remain as it was ought not to get involved with the things of the Spirit because the ministry of the Spirit makes all things new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away, and behold, all things become new. Amen. Come on now. Let's just thank the Lord for that. The Holy Spirit fills us ultimately with the power so that we can minister in His power. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about His agenda, not our agenda. It's not about you. It's not about me. We step aside and say, Holy Spirit, we make room. We make room for Your Spirit to move in our midst. We make room for the Holy Spirit to move in my life. We make room for the Holy Spirit to minister and just use me as a vessel of honor. And I will obey. And if our heart is just to yield, guess what? The Holy Spirit will definitely move on your behalf. Amen. Maybe you're here and you're struggling in some area in your life. I believe that if you make room for the Holy Spirit and if you yield upon His work in your life, that particular situation that you're going through right now, He will take care of that. It's your life that He's interested in. It's our heart that He wants even right now. Father, we surrender afresh our lives to You. We surrender afresh our jobs, our, our marriages, our relationships, Lord God, our personal struggles. We surrender everything to you, Lord God. We make an altar even right now. Holy Spirit, we make room for you, Lord God, to take over our personal lives, to take over our agendas. We thank you, Lord God, that as we put our trust in you, Lord God, you care for us and you love us and you want to give what is uh, do us and what, what you feel is the best for us. But I thank you, Lord God, we will learn to advance your agenda in your kingdom, Lord God. Bless your people, Lord, as we constantly desire to obey you and as we move out in faith, Lord, to be used of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.